Hi, I want to welcome you to Raising Playful Tots. My name's Melitza. I hope that this show is a place where mothers like you can safely explore a slower, simpler and playful lifestyle so that you can get to the heart of what your family needs to thrive both now and in the years to come. Well, today's show is all about failure and mistakes. How we can help our children to fail safely, fail well, and to make mistakes, because we know that this is an important part of growing and learning about life. I think that sometimes, because of the way that we are, we are protective as parents. We don't want to see our children have a skinned knee. Who does want to see that? None of us want to see that. We want to protect them so much from everything that sometimes we protect them from failure. We know that something bad will happen if they do something, so we make sure that that doesn't happen. Now, there's all different types of badness when I say a bad thing to happen. Obviously, there's the serious safety issue things that we would never let happen because we don't want them to experience that kind of failure. But there are many failures that happen within normal things that we do at home that would be useful for our children to be able to learn from. And these are the ones that I'm talking about, the ones within normal limits. When we talk about failure, do we really talk about this with our children in mind? Are there times when you've talked about the things that you have failed at as a parent, as a mother, at any time with the children for them to understand that everybody makes mistakes. There are things that we do that don't work out and there are things that we do because of the mistakes that we've made in the past. It's not something that we often talk about, mistakes and failure, yet children's learning is full of mistakes and failure. So it's a good opportunity for us to model how that happens because they need to understand what to do after they've failed, what to do after they've made mistakes because there will be plenty of times when that happens. Do we talk a lot about trying different things out and taking a risk? There'll have been things that we have done during the day, during our work week, that we guessed. We weren't sure whether it would work out, but we took a risk. Maybe it was a calculated risk, but we thought, let's try it and see what happens. Sometimes we came a cropper and it didn't work out so well. Sometimes it did work out well. Do we talk about some of those things with our children? Now, depending on how old they are to the types of conversations that you could have, but these are great opportunities to have conversations with our children. First of all, they realize that we're human, that we make mistakes. They make mistakes, so they might start to generalize other people make mistakes too. We're not asking for perfection, but if we don't talk about our mistakes and our failure, then that's the only thing that's left is that you're perfect and that you do everything right. And we know that that's not true. When we look at our children and the work that they're doing, whether it's homework, whether it's schoolwork, whether it's um, helping around the house, whether it's skills practice, whether it's music practice, whether it's sports, whatever it is, if they are not making any mistakes at all, it's too easy. Too many times we look at the whole point of everything is to get to the place of perfection where we are not making any mistakes at all. While that is a very good goal to get to, there will be lots of mistakes and failures along the way. For learning to happen and real learning to be taking place, we have to take risks, we have to fail, we have to make mistakes. This is all part of what's going on. If you are already doing any one of those things that I just mentioned at that perfect level all the time, then you're not really learning. And children need to understand that this is a whole process. The process of learning means failure, trying, failure, mistakes. Not necessarily in that easy order of yes, no, yes, no. But there is a combination of that and probably a lot of failures along the way as we need to practice. This is something that I know as a family we've not talked about as much. But we are beginning to talk more about this as the children are getting older. 
There is a lot of shame around making mistakes. Shame from the parents and shame from the children. Children are very good at comparing themselves to other people. Maybe they have scores or results and they check out what everybody else is doing. Even if they don't have scores and results, they have siblings and people around where you can tell, I'm a little better at this than my friend over there, or my sister is much better at this than I am. We're always finding ways to compare ourselves and we feel shame if we can't do something. Parents feel shame too. We feel shame if our children aren't able to do the same as what we're hearing other parents saying that their children can do. So we all experience shame around mistakes and failure, but mistakes and failure are important because without them, we wouldn't go into new directions and create and change and find out new things. I mean, most of science is all about going outside of the lines and learning things. And so we have to have that creativeness within ourselves to be able to do these things and not feel so much shame when things don't go the way that we would expect. The shame I think we feel as parents is because it's like a personal attack on ourselves. Our children are an extension of us, so if they are not doing something that we feel that they should or we think that they should be able to do, it's going to be a reflection on us. People are going to think, whoa, those parents. And I don't think that that's the way that we really should look at things. Our children need to be able to fail and they need to be able to make mistakes within our families. I think a family is the nicest place to make failures because they understand us. They're quick to forget. You can learn how to fail and what to do next. When you've made your mistake, you can pick yourself up. People love on you. They can empathize with you. You can find the respect that you need. You can find the direction. There are people, certainly if you're a younger brother or sister, you've got other people that can help you within the family that might have already been where you are. So they can support you and you can ask them questions to be able to do that. It's not something that we tend to do. And so I want this whole show to really be about how we can practically help our children. We want them to be able to fail and make mistakes. They'll do that naturally, but within our family that we can support and help them to do better. So what do you do after you fail? Well, one of the first things I think that we should do as parents is share some of the mistakes that we've made. Now, there are many of them that we can share. We just have to think about them a little carefully and clearly about which ones that we would like to share. One of the ones recently we've had is my husband was studying for a promotion test and he took a lot of time off from his studying and then he took a week or so off from family vacation time to be able to study. He studied hard, the children saw the amount of effort and work that he was putting in and long story short, he took his test, waited for the results. Everything takes a little time, doesn't it? and he didn't get the results that he needed to make the promotion this time. Now, there are all sorts of reasons why that, that didn't happen and we could talk about them, well, it's not fair this and he tried that and because of this, and they're kind of ways to excuse what had happened. And so after a time we were thinking, you know, we should share with the children and the children were interested. They'd seen their dad studying with the books and the videos and the all sorts of things and he shared with them what happened, why it happened the way that it happened, and they got an understanding of what it felt like. He was upset. He wanted to have got the results, but then he also explained that to have got the results that he needed, what extraordinary lengths that had to have happened for it to have happened. So they could see that the chances of him getting that particular promotion was very, very slim. However, he had persevered and made the effort to do so even though he knew 
in his heart of hearts that it was very hard for him to have achieved that. But he wanted to work hard, and so now he has a benchmark. So when he goes for testing for another time, he has some idea of how much work he needed to do and other things will change to see if anything different happens that time. Now, as parents, we could have buried that story as this is a mum and dad story between us, and now I've shared it with you too. Um, I could feel a lot of shame around that for myself or for my husband, or he could feel shame for that himself. But we chose to share that with the children so that they could, not every detail and certainly not when he got his results. We waited a little while and we shared with them the feelings surrounding it and my husband talked about what he was going to do now. So they had an idea of what an adult does and that adults go through mistakes and adults go through failure too. Not just any old adult but their dad has gone through something that was hard, that he'd worked hard over. We have that adage, don't we, that if we work really hard, we'll get what we want. And here he'd worked really hard and he didn't get what he wanted. And he didn't just give up, he didn't just stop, and he wasn't just mad, he evaluated and he did something different. So he was trying to show in the best way he could that you take risks, that you try your hardest and that when you have mistakes, you look at your mistakes and you try and find out what to do better next time. So when I talked to him about what are you going to say to the children, he said, well, it's really important for me to tell them a few things. He wanted to review, first of all, how well he did. So he, he thought about what did I do well and how can I feel good about those things? So that's one thing that we can do with our children. So when they get back their results from tests that they do, or they get their results back from music exams, or um, any results where you can evaluate something, that's one of the first questions that you can ask is, what did I do well? Because that's something that you clearly have learned and that you are okay with. You probably have that feeling yourself. Oh, I found that really easy. That didn't seem really hard. And it actually feels really good to be able to repeat all the things that you could actually do quite well. The second question, which is really quite key, is what was I not sure about? Because this is probably where the deeper learning needs to happen for next time. What am I not sure about? Now, if you've just done a test, then you can probably remember some of the questions and you can go back, just jot them down, subjects or the titles, you don't have to go through the whole question, but being able to think, okay, I didn't know government very well, or I didn't know about whatever the subject is. So now you have another point to be able to go to, to learn from and do differently. And then the third question to ask is, what will I do next time? So this gives you a chance to step back and evaluate the way that you did your learning. So maybe you realize, I only spent 10 hours in all studying. I only spent five minutes glancing over the material. I only read it before I went inside. Um, whatever it was, you might be able to say to yourself, yeah, the study techniques that I, didn't, I did weren't as good as I was expecting. And so this is a good chance to be able to help the, our children through failure and mistakes, is to be able to ask those simple questions and for them to be able to share as much as they can without going into too much detail. This isn't meant to be a dissection, you know, go through every single question and spend an hour and a half poring over work that's already been done. But if you've got sheets of paper that come home and you've got results that are on there, ticks, circles, marks, it's very easy to look over and ask one of those questions or a few of those questions. What did you do well? Let's have a look. What were you not sure on? Because that's where the learning is going to take place. And what will you do next time? It's really interesting when you get the children to be that reflective, they start to take ownership of the work, their work, 
and we start to have a more hands-off approach, what tends to happen is they give us their work and say, here you go, this is what I did, and we make those judgments. We can see what they did well. We can think, well, if they got these wrong, they probably don't know that part. And we think next time I'm going to make sure that they have no distractions or they're going to study harder or they're going to do these things. But when we turn it over and we work with them and they allow to be more reflective, it gives ownership to them and they're allowed to make these mistakes and they can see what they can do. Now, it's trial and error. Maybe it had nothing to do with the fact that they had only spent half an hour looking at the work. Maybe it's the fact that they didn't do any writing and it would have been better if they'd drawn some pictures. Maybe it would have been better if they'd read it instead of heard it. There's all sorts of things, but the point is, is they should try an idea for themselves and we can support them and guide them in that general direction. We've also had conversations where that last question, what should I do next, has been, I don't know, in, in the way that children love to do. And so then that's a great opportunity for you to say, well, I have a few suggestions. Would you like me to share some with you? Or I have two suggestions that I think would be good. Would you like to hear them both? Or would you like to just hear one? And you can give your suggestion based on that. I think it's the hardest thing at this point is sometimes children are very upset by the result that they've got. And we have to remember to be empathetic this is not our result, it's theirs. And so that we want to help them to be able to do better for themselves, not just now, but for next time. And they don't need our judgment of making them feel bad if they already feel bad. Um, that we can use that for them to motivate themselves to do better rather than um, shaming them even more. So we can review things after they've happened. This is something that doesn't always happen. You can have standardized testing like we had a few weeks ago, certainly in my state here. And then we've had um, just the normal battery of tests that, that they do each week and quizzes that they do in school. Just asking those questions are a really good way of getting a handle on how they are doing well at school, especially that second question, what were you not so sure on when you did it? because that gives you a handle on knowing what they are struggling with and what are they finding a little difficult to do. So that's the review part. Many schools have a curriculum that's already set out for their entire year. Some teachers will tell you, next term we're going to study this, and they'll tell you the Tudors in history and in science, we're going to be looking at living things and in math, we're going to be doing, I don't know, circles and circumferences and, and so on. And so you know already what's coming up. They have them on the website, they have them um, sent home in a newsletter, sometimes the teacher will send it, sometimes you just there's an overview for the whole county so that you know everybody's doing the same thing. This is a good chance for us to be able to help our children to have an understanding of what's going to be happening because we can preview the things that are happening. It doesn't mean that we go get a book all about circumference and circles and drill our children so that they know everything, but it's time for us to have conversations and we can say, you know, how do you measure a circle if it's round, like how would you do that? Start them thinking about things. Maybe they'll go and try and find out the answers for themselves. We might start talking about Tudor times and tell them of a funny tale. Do you remember um, that there is this really big Tudor king? Oh, do you remember what his name was? He's quite famous. We might start the conversation um, to get them thinking about what's going to be happening so that once they get into the class, they are able to make progress. They're able to think, oh, like I, I, we've been talking a little bit about this, that they can really be hooked into what's going on. Often children feel like failures because they just don't know anything. That very beginning time 
when a teacher introduces a topic and asks those questions at the beginning, does anybody know anything about living things? You'll get quite a few children that will put their hands up, but there'll be some children that have no idea the answer you want from them. So they don't respond and they feel like failures too. They think, I don't know anything about that. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to take a risk. So if you have previewed that as a parent at home, we have helped them to feel a little bit more confident that, yeah, when mum was talking about living things and we were talking about that tree thing and the, the photo something she was saying, I don't remember. But then the teacher says, does anybody know anything about living things? And you're, then your child might be brave enough to put their hand up and say trees and sunlight because they remember that that's a conversation that you have. They're happy to take that risk because they feel as if they have a chance to answer because they've had some sort of input. So fear of making mistakes, fear of failure, the shame that comes around it can be really minimized if you do those two things. If you preview, help your child beforehand by just talking about some of these things to get them excited about learning this new topic. That's not giving them things so that they've already done the topic before the topic happens. But remember at school or when we're homeschooling, we can only share a small portion we want them excited about the topic, but we don't want to teach them everything. We want them to go off and do extra for themselves. And the second thing that we want to do is review. After you have done something, we want to go back, circle back around and see what did you do well? What were you not sure of? And what can you do better for next time? There is another thing that we don't often look at. And that's the scores that are best characterized as the eight out of tens and the nine out of tens. So we call those what, the near misses? I don't know, maybe that's a good name for it. When you almost got it, but you didn't. You weren't sure whether you were going to get it and you got that score or that place and you didn't know what to do. Well, clearly there's parts that were missing and sometimes we just count those as good. So I did this test and I got 10 out of 10. Yay, pat on the back, don't need to ask any questions. That's often what happens. I did this test, I got nine out of 10. Well, I only got one wrong, so I don't need to ask any questions. I have a story around near misses. Uh, my son recently went to have an interview and do an activity and he thought he was prepared for what needed to come. When he got into the interview, they asked, let's say, five questions. And the first three questions, he answered just fine. Like, I know the answers to these. I can talk about them. That's fine. And then they asked, let's say, those two other questions. And he had no clue how to answer them. He didn't know what to say. The words just weren't coming. And he felt very disappointed. At the end of this interview, they thanked him for coming and he left. And when he came home from school, he was very upset. And so, you know, when we talked about the math of that, you know, you did three questions well and two questions you feel that you didn't do so well, you know, let's see how this really goes. And I said, well, you have no idea what the outcome is, but let's look at what happened. And so he told the questions, he says, I had no idea how to answer them. So I said, would you like some ideas about how you could have answered them? And he, at the time it was like, no, it was too close <laughs> to what had just happened, being very real here. And then over time, later on, he came back and said, can we talk about that question. Now, I wasn't feeding him the answers. I just talked about it from his point of view. I said, you could have talked about this and you could have talked about that. And he was like, oh yeah, he made a mistake. It wasn't a failure and he was learning from it. And I said to him that this whole process is a learning experience. You now know that you need to prepare 
for an interview a little differently than you did before. So what did you do well? We could review. What were you not sure of? And what will you do better the next time? And just having that ability to go through that, even for the near miss that he felt that he was experiencing, gave him a chance to look back at what he was doing and he feel better. Now, whether he passed the interview and everything was fine or he didn't pass the interview, both opportunities gave him a chance to learn and do better for next time. And that was the emphasis that we tried to share with him. If he got through and was happy, great. And if he didn't get through them now, he knows for next time what to do. So near misses are just as important as misses or full marks got through as well. What can I do differently the next time is the perfect question to be able to ask a child and it takes the judgment out from us of what do you mean you did that why didn't you say this did you fail you worked really hard how come you froze or whatever it is all of those feel like judgment to a child but when you ask them well i'm sure you did the best that you could what can you think of one thing that you could do differently and can I share one thing that I think that you could do differently? So that they understand you're kind of, you're with them. You're there to support them and see how they can do. Another person that he could have asked if he wasn't comfortable with talking to us is another parent, um, another adult that he's close to, or his teachers. And so this is a really good thing as they're getting older for us to model for the children to do. They get results back. And if the results is just a number, and there's no written word explaining anything that we encourage our children to go back to, if it's possible, and say to the person that gave them the mark, what can I do differently next time to do better on this? For them to take ownership of their grades, for them to take ownership of their learning, for them to make their own progress. The perfect place to be able to work from failure and work from mistakes within our home is by using homework. Homework is one of the hardest things that many of us have to go through, is working with our children and finding a system that works within our home. So let's assume for the very basics that we already have an area where our children are going to be working, we have the right equipment, pens, paper, what a laptop, whatever it is for them to be able to use, an atmosphere. So now it's just the homework itself. That's what we're going to be talking about. So we want homework to be a place where the children eventually can do it entirely by themselves. Now that's a hard thing for us as parents because many of us are very invested in the homework that our children do. We feel that they cannot hand in a piece of work unless it is perfect and our standard of perfection, our child's standard of perfection and the teacher's standards of perfection are probably three very different things. And this is where our homework battles often collide. So we want to mentor our children to start with of a way in which to do homework where they can make mistakes and they can learn and they can make progress all the way to where they will be independent of us and they will be able to do their homework completely without us and be able to ask us if they need supporting. And that's totally possible to get that way in the elementary years as long as you've done some sort of progress with teaching. You can't just all of a sudden go hands off with, go, go out your homework, good luck, and just kind of leave them to it. They, they need a model and they need a guide to be able to do that really well. We want them to do their best, but not to do the best. Now, sometimes I think that gets misinterpreted, that you're saying, I don't want them to strive really hard. But some of our children struggle with academics and some of our children excel in academics. 
Not all of our children will excel, probably, and we want to encourage all of our children to make progress, and that's the most important thing. Now, to make progress, they have to recognize that they have to get from this step that they're at here to the next step, and if they're constantly comparing themselves to the best person, it completely undermines their motivation and their effort because we they already know that so-and-so over there is better at this activity than I am. And so when I say go do and be the best, they already know that that person over there is the best. So how are they motivated to do the best that they can? What I can say is I want you to do your best and encourage them where they are because I have an understanding of exactly where they are and to move to the next part would be really important. So one of the things that we can do as parents to hand off homework to our children so that we are confident that they know what to do is first to sit with them and draw up a list of what we think that they should be doing and they think that they should be doing with their work. So they have this checklist, this tick sheet, whatever it is, as a reminder, something that pulls them back to what they should be doing. So let's say if it's language arts or a written type of thing that they're doing, they might have something written down like spelling and punctuation. And they might even have it clearer than that. It might be specific punctuation that you're looking at. So capital letters and full stops is a favorite one in our house at the moment. Many schools have goals and targets that each child has individually. So maybe it's write in cursive, or it might be um, check overused words and change three of them. Do not use the word said, you know, those types of things. So it has a goal. You might decide that you want to change the quality of the work that they're doing. So you might say, I want you to add three synonyms or two synonyms in there or change an overused word or, you know, as the children get bigger, then there's different things that you could add in there that they are doing already in class that you just say, I want you to make sure that you are doing those things. There's structures and rubrics that often teachers send home or they've been practicing in class and this is why they have their homework. One springs to mind is instructions when they are writing instructions for making toast my son came home and said i have to write how to make toast and i said have you done it in school and he said yes and i said well, what what has to happen what are all the things that you have to do when you are writing instructions and he says you have to have a special verb and i said yes an imperative verb let's put that down so that we remember it has to have numbers on there yes it has to go one two three four and he says he has to have a picture. And I said, really? And he goes, well, I'd like to draw a picture. So I was like, okay, <laughs> you can put your picture down on there. And we went through and wrote four or five things down that he knew had to be put on when you write an instruction. So that was like his rubric. It's what he did at school when they did the ones together. So now he has something to cling to when he's writing his own. He can look back, oh, I didn't do the numbers. I did bullet points or oh, I said I wanted to do a picture and I haven't, or I've done lots of sentences. Oh, it didn't say to do sentences, I have to change it. So he has something to go against. It's not me anymore. I don't have to say, you've done that wrong. You can't do it like that. He can look to this piece of paper and be empowered to do that for himself. So for a language arts and a written thing, it can be like that. For something like math, it could be that you just need resources. So make sure that there is squared paper. It could be as simple as we had a, a time when he was doing borrowing and they call it something else now and I've forgotten, but borrowing from one place to another. And because of the way he was writing, my son is left-handed. He wasn't, his numbers weren't aligning in the right places. So when he was borrowing, numbers were floating in the wrong areas. So they got borrowed, put into the wrong columns of the hundreds, tens and ones. So that, of course, when he went to use them and they weren't aligned, it didn't work out. So I gave him some squared paper and said, okay, knock yourself out. Do these questions again. We spent a long time setting it out on the squared paper. 
it seemed a really simple thing to do, but that small activity helped him see that if I have the right resources, I can attempt to do something the right way. So then we also taught him how to reverse check his answers when he was doing his addition questions to see if the answer could be right. And we also sometimes say, go tell your sibling how you did it because they already know the answer, they're very confident with it, and they can hear when the problems start to come up and they can have a conversation that goes with that. So there is a lot of failure and mistakes that can happen, but now he is able to self-evaluate. Your child is able to self-evaluate what they're doing because they have a chance to follow the, the path that's set out in front of them. They've got a chance to reach out to people that's around them and ask questions. It's not just, I've finished, the end. So we have helped them with all these ideas. And now they come over and they want to present it to us. Well, hopefully we've taught that this is just a draft. And that means that things will change. They say it takes, what, 10,000 hours to be perfect at a particular skill. And children don't get that it takes a long time and that things are a process. We have a short time in the evening to get things done. And the idea of doing things twice and three times can be really hard. Kids want to get on and do other things. So it's it's really good to be able to, from an early time that we start doing homework, remind the kids that there's going to be mistakes. Like, have you checked against your draft of ideas that you did at the very beginning? Does it fit with that? Have you checked it through before you give it to the parent? So now instead of us as parents having to sit with our children all the way through and just sit there while they're doing homework and we just sit next to them and point out mistakes that they make, they are actively taking part in their own learning, knowing that when they make a mistake that they are supported and that they have empathy from those of us that are around. If you want to know more about drafting and that whole process of revising and making things better especially when it comes to language arts and those types of you know poetry and English and that type of historical writing then I would really encourage you to look at seven steps to feedback heaven by James Nottingham and I'll leave a link for that in the show notes seven steps to feedback heaven it's a really lovely way of helping the children understand that it takes time to get to the right answer and that you do this self stuff first before you present it rather than just saying I will just bleh on the paper and then I'll give it to you mum and then you fix it and then I hand it in at school. We're teaching them now that okay you can bleh on the paper if you wish but now you have to fix it according to the criteria that you know is already there. And then now you have to redraft it to include the things that need to be added in. And that's a very different skill. And it's a great way of showing how you can grow and progress from the mistakes that you are making. So this is a really good way is using homework for us to detach ourselves from our kids and give them a bit more independence when it comes to homework. If you see something that they've written and you don't like it, you know that it's terrible and you want to change it. It's so easy to just type it in or to just change it or to just circle it and show all of them. Like here are your 15 mistakes that you've made in four lines and the kids just feel dejected and terrible. What's nicer is to be able to say to them, okay, how do you feel about your piece of work? Good, were there anything that you weren't really sure of? Actually start to have a dialogue so that you understand that, you know, this is a process. It's not, you're not expecting perfection all the time. Let's work on this together. So we are expecting mistakes. Let's see how we can do something different about it that maybe you can say what was your process when you were writing this or what what did you do to get to this point that is a key question 
because it's there that you hear where they made the mistake. Maybe they didn't think through and plan it at all. They just thought it, wrote it down. And you thought they should have planned it and I can see that they haven't planned it. Now go away and plan it. Well, that doesn't help them. They feel very frustrated by it. But being able to say, okay, I see how you did it. Another way you could have done that was to have had a structure. Can I share with you how that is? Or I'm gonna share with you another way that you could do that. There's an easy way to change what you've got here and I think that you should do that. Maybe they will change it, maybe they won't change it. Depending on the age of the child and the relationship that you've decided to have with this piece of work, that is something that you might work out. But that is a really interesting question. What was your process in how you do that? So when children present you with their work and say, here you go, I've done it. Maybe you didn't even get a chance to do that first bit and write down together all the things that they were gonna keep in mind as they were doing the work. Maybe they're older, upper elementary, middle school children, and they don't come to you for homework, they do homework elsewhere, but they come by at the end to kind of show it to you, or maybe this is part of what you do in your family, you are required to see what homework looks like. At the end, this is a great question to be able to ask, what was your process? And if they say, well, I really wasn't sure about this part, but I did my best, or I just thought I would do that and that would be it, I ran out of time and that's just the way it is that's a great opportunity for us to be able to say, well, we can work on that another time because we want to do better from our mistakes and we can share with them. So now we know that the work is gonna be handed in. It's not gonna be how we would like it, but it's the best that they can do. And you also know that in the future, you will be able to pick up and do something more about whatever it was that they, they missed. If you see something that's quite funny, my son was writing a, a piece and he said, could you check it in the normal way that happens? And he put for nose, N-O-E-S. And I just smiled because we all have these brain burps where we write down something and we can't for the life of us remember how to spell it and we just write it and we say, I'll come back to it. And clearly he hadn't, and now he had N-O-E-S. And I was thinking, nose, oh my goodness, I know exactly what he was trying to say. And so I could say, I pointed to the line and said, look on this line. And he was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> as he saw what it was. And I said, I think you meant nose. And he's like, yes, how do you spell it? Oh my goodness, it's just my brain is gone. And I said, yeah, it's K-N-O-W-S, nose. And he was like, oh yes, exactly. We could laugh about it, we could joke about it. But the point was, was that instead of just pointing out the word and circling, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, underline, this bit's wrong, to actually point out the line and say there's something that's not right about this sentence or this look along this line and recheck to see you're giving them more of a chance now all of these ideas take time and time is often in short supply and i know this is why some of the times we short circuit what's going on at home because we just need to get to the end but I feel that these are really, it's really worthwhile if we're building up resilience in our children for them to understand that a mistake is a normal thing to happen. It's what you do after you have the mistake that's important. That we take risks because we want to succeed and we want to try. In order to make progress, we have to fail. We have to make mistakes. And if we are just safe and somebody is telling us how to do our work, doing our work for us, fixing our work once we're not there, then how are we learning how to fail and overcome the mistakes that happen? I hope for you that you don't have homework battles at home, but if you do or you would like to change the way that you're doing homework, maybe you've realized that 
your children need to make more mistakes and we need to you need to be a bit more hands-off in the way in which you're doing homework maybe you're sitting with your child while they do homework and they always have you sitting right next to them while they're doing the homework maybe they expect you to point out every single mistake that they're doing or that you have battles about how much you need to intervene or how much you need to hold back I hope that some of the things that we have talked about today will give you a chance to try a different way, a way that you can connect with your kids and for them to understand that mistakes are normal and that failure is normal. It's what we do next that happens and we can guide them by asking the right types of questions to see what happens next. This does take time and it's a different way of thinking about it. You can't do all of these things all of the time because you've got many different types of children. But over time, as everybody gets used to the system, it will be possible that all of your children can be doing their work and you will be able to have more of an overview and see what they're doing. You can observe what they're doing rather than working hard on their homework. Because let's face it, we did our homework years ago ourselves when we were in school. If you want to know more about making progress, then I would really encourage you to check out a TEDx video by James Nottingham called Labels Limit Learning. It's about 18 minutes and it's really interesting stuff all about progress and making mistakes and failure and how we can support our children to do more with what they already have. I'll leave a link for that in the show notes. And if you're not convinced about mistakes and encouraging your children to take risks, maybe you don't see it because your children are risk takers in other areas. But many schools are reporting that children just aren't answering questions anymore because they're afraid they'll get it wrong or they're not taking the risk in trying out new ideas because if they don't know that the answer is going to be right, they're not prepared to commit. Maybe you've seen that yourself in some of the things that your kids are doing at home when you've shared your method of doing some sort of math activity or English thing that you were used to doing and you said oh I'll try it this way if you're finding the other way so hard and they're like no no we can't do it in any other way and they're very nervous about doing something different I would encourage to listen uh, to watch another video called encourage mistakes by professor Joe Bowler b-o-a-l-e-r that's a really short video about two two and a half minutes I think and she just talks about how important it is at college level. So you get the big spectrum there of, of how and why you should be able to take risks and be able to learn from your mistakes. I hope that the things that we've talked about today has helped you see how we need to prepare our children for now as they're going through school and for the next stage. And that we love our children and we don't love them any less if we allow them to make some mistakes and learn from those within our family environments. For them to have the self-assessment skills and for them to be able to learn how to ask questions and advocate for themselves is a really, really important skill. It will be really scary when they're leaving home in 10, 15 years time, whether that's to go to college, whether it's to go to work, whether it's to you know go down the round the corner into a, a new home and they're not able to advocate for themselves and ask if they're so scared to make a mistake that they have to call us to do things for them because they know we know what to do. What we want are children that are happy to take the risk but know the risks that are involved. Know that when they have failures and make mistakes that they know where to turn and what to do and how to get out of these situations. So now it's your turn. If you want to improve your homework time, if you want to talk more about the mistakes and failures, maybe you've got a story that you would like to share 
or a way that you handle mistakes and failure at home, I would love to hear all about it, what you do with your family. Come over to the show notes and leave your comment there. Or you can continue this conversation in our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group called The Society of Nimble Parents. And I'll leave a link for that in the show notes. But you can go to bitly, B-I-T-L-E-Y dot com forward slash you are nimble. You are nimble. And that will take you right there. And we can continue this conversation because this is going to take some time. I'm right in the thick, in the midst of it, and by no means know all the answers. But just looking at the reading that I have done with Nurture Shock, for example, and the information that um, I've picked up from there, I'm reading another book, Top Dog, by the same authors, Poe Bronson and Ashley Merriman, and also The Gift of Failure by Jessica Leahy at the moment. And just gleaning from them and talking to friends and family and people that are around, I know that these are ideas that we want to be able to do. We've been trying them and trialing them. So we're by no means saying that, you know, we're perfect and we've got all this down. But I want to hear how you're doing it and how you're experiencing this too. Use the hashtag creatingfamilyhaven on Twitter or Instagram to talk about this episode. And I'm so happy that you guys are here today. I know it's been a long episode this time and that there are many things that you could be doing right now, but you choose to do this. And I'm glad you've chosen to be here today. I hope something that I have said has triggered you to investigate something more and helped you make a decision for your wonderful family. Don't forget to leave a rating or a comment wherever you subscribe and I thank you so much for those of you that have done reviews on iTunes. I see a couple of reviews um, that weren't there a few weeks ago and I appreciate that so much. Show notes for today's show and links will be there at raisingplayfultots.com forward slash 189. Come over and play next week. Until then, find time for some unplugged play and intentional parenting. Join with me each week as we share, learn and laugh together about making the most of creating our family haven. Goodbye.